Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I spoke to Cute Blackson. He's the author of the national best-selling book, You Are The One, and is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development by everyone ranging from Larry King, Jack Canefield, Marianne Williamson and more. He's been featured on Larry King, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, and Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru billionaires go to for advice. For over 20 years, he's been inspiring audiences around the world, from the first time he spoke in front of 3,000 people at the age of 8, to speaking in over 300 venues by the age of 18, to helping organizations develop authentic leadership and achieve extraordinary performance over the last decade. His electrifying presentations not only offer real-world practical solutions and ideas, but they're soul-searching wisdom, and they also ignite the heart and inspire courageous action. This chat was amazing. I didn't really know what to expect, but I felt like we connected, and I learned so much as I do in many of these interviews, and he's the real deal. He's an amazing guy, and he's not following trends. He's been doing this his whole life, and he's doing it because he genuinely wants to help people. I highly recommend you have a listen. Thanks again for tuning in every week and supporting Move Your Mind. If you'd like to join the Move Your Mind community, you can go to moveyourmind.me, and if you'd like to purchase the Move Your Mind book, you can go to nickbrax.com book. Cute, so great to have you on my podcast on Move Your Mind. Uh, I've looked up what you're doing; it's incredible the the work that you're doing, and I, I can, you know, from what I can see, helping so many people all over the world. So love having these conversations with people like yourself, and thank you for for making the time. Thanks for having me. So before we go into the conversation, um, would you mind just for our listeners giving a background on yourself? Uh, the work you do and how you how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, uh, listen, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I uh, lived in the US for 20 plus years now. So I feel like I'm a citizen of the world from everywhere, from nowhere. Um, feel very blessed in many ways. Uh, from a very young age, I always felt a deep um, sensitivity and empathy to people's pain. And there was a part of me that always wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. And I didn't know what that would look like. And so that was always very present for me as a child. Um, some would say my childhood was a bit unusual or I don't know if the word is extraordinary, but for me, it felt very normal, very ordinary, very, uh, I thought everybody had the same childhood as me and you know like my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor lost the, I was lost in the crowd see this crippled woman crawling on the floor she picks up the sand that this man walks on wipes it on her face and stands up and so week after week I grew up seeing uh, blind people see and deaf people hear and the same man whose hand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say 
put his hands on her and say, stand up, you're not sick. Or somebody would come in with crutches and would say, hey, throw your crutches away. This man was my father. Uh, he was considered the miracle man of Africa, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, very spiritual, mystical guy, had a huge church, about 5,000 people in the 80s in London. So I grew up in this environment of possibilities. And for me, I thought this was everyone's experience. And I think it was a blessing in that I grew up with a sense that anything was possible. I didn't mm. think there were limitations, you know, and, and so that felt very normal to me. Um, and, and looking back, I'm, I'm very blessed to have grown up in, in an environment that was full of possibilities. And so from age eight, I started speaking in my father's church. That's when my speaking career began, so to speak. Uh, every month I would speak in my father's church and you know, give a message. When I was 14, another pivotal moment, when I was 14, I became a minister and I was ordained in my father's church and I was given the mandate to take over my father's ministry. I was the guy, the successor, who was going to take it to the next generation. And when it was announced, my heart sank. Everybody was happy but me. And I remember my heart sinking because I knew intuitively deep inside that this was not my path this was not my future this was not my destiny this was not my life and uh i just didn't have the courage to speak my truth i just didn't have the courage to confront my father and tell him this isn't for me uh, my fear was and i think like many of us we allow fear to hijack our freedom we allow fear to stop us from being fully who we are and living our dreams and our visions and expressing our deepest truth. My fear was if I dared to be myself, if I dared to tell my father the truth, that I would lose his love, that I would be outcast, that I would be alone, that I would be abandoned, that I would lose the community. And so I said nothing. And for about four or five years, I went into a deep inner turmoil and a bit of a depression and internal conflict, just trying to reconcile and wrestle with my own truth. But deep down, I knew the truth. I knew my my soul was calling me in a completely different direction. And so during this time, I really started seeking answers. And uh, from, it, from around the age eight, nine to 18, I ended up reading maybe seven, 800 self-help books in the field of psychology, spirituality, personal growth, personal development, everyone from Krishnamurti to Osho to Blavatsky to Uspensky to Wayne Dyer. And this became my obsession, just trying to understand life and the purpose of life and why we're born, why we're here, where we're going. You know, um, I got a scholarship to a very prestigious school in London where a lot of like presidents, uh, politicians, kids, uh, wealthy business people's kids, and yet everyone seemed to be miserable, even though they had every reason to be happy. And yet in my father's church uh, were people that weren't that educated and didn't have that much to show for it materially, but seemed so fulfilled and generous and happy. And so it, it really made me ask a lot of questions as a kid. So when I was 18, uh, I had some decisions to make. I looked into my future and um, I decided to not go to university. And I felt this calling in my soul to come to America, this calling in my soul to go into the self-help field and the personal growth field. I just thought I wanted to inspire people in some way. I didn't know the exact form. And so I felt called to come to Southern California because this is where all of the self-help gurus and icons, you know, Louise Hay, Marion Williamson, Deepak Chopra live. And, you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do 
doesn't always make sense to your logic or your mind. Sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't always convenient. But I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you follow your soul, if you follow your truth, if you don't compromise what you're guided to do, you will always end up in the right place at the right time with the right people, even though the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect. And so um, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path and take over my father's church. But it, you know, even if I attained success following this expected path, I projected into my future, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, age 60, age 70, what kind of success is it if I don't have my own integrity, if I don't have my mm -hmm. own soul? And so I felt the deep pain of self-betrayal and soul suicide. It felt like a soul suicide. And so I, I knew what I had to do and had that conversation with my father. Long story short, we didn't speak for two years at the age of 18, which was incredibly heartbreaking for me at Be that tough. time. Very, diff very tough, very difficult. You know, sometimes people think that when you find your purpose in life, your calling, everything's easy. The unicorns, the mm. violins come out. But I think sometimes when you find your true purpose in life, that's when the difficulties start. That's when the tests and the challenges start. And many times people turn back because they think that they are on the, the wrong path. But I think sometimes when you are faced with difficulties and challenges and you know you're following your purpose, to me, these are just soul tests that you have to go through in order to grow through so that you can evolve and grow and become the, develop the mental, emotional, physical muscle to be able to fulfill your purpose and vision. And so it was challenging. And longer story short, I ended up um, winning, like an 18-year-old kid with no prospects, no university degree, no money, no support, no connections. I ended up winning a green card in the DV1 green card lottery. And that's what enabled me to come to the U.S., and that was confirmation from the universe that I was on the right path. And two suitcases, $800 in my pocket showed up at, in Los Angeles and began and went and found teachers. Many of the teachers I'd read about, teachers, mentors, and authors, and studied with some of them, learned from some of them. And then a few years later, decided to travel the world and ended up in uh, Thailand studying with some monks and Israel with some rabbis and walking the Camino 900 kilometers in northern Spain and then ended up in India. And it was really uh, my time, my months in India that, that, let's just say, cracked me open to another dimension of myself. And that's when I came back to L.A. again and started working with people literally 20 years ago, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, one on one and one person came, had no idea what I was doing. This was before coaching was popular. And one person and another person, another person before you knew it. I created my own way of working with people and people started coming from around the world. And it just, honestly, my work just evolved out of a pure, sincere desire to help transform people, to help people experience a level of freedom. I felt such a level of freedom within myself. I was broke. I had no money. I had nothing, mm -hmm. but I felt free, a freedom mm -hmm. that wasn't dependent on anything outside. And so I just wanted people to experience that. And uh, people started coming and small groups and larger groups and they got larger and two best-selling books. And so in a nutshell, here we are. Well, very, I mean, I'm sure it, it's a, a big story and you've done well to summarize it in, in, that, in that nutshell. And I was smiling a lot through it because I found it personally so inspiring because I was just relating on so many mm. things you were talking about there. You know, myself, I grew up in a, a well-known family in Australia. My dad was a big politician, uh, had his own view on, you know, the path I should have gone down. I have this thing inside me 
always, you know, my soul telling me I've got to find my own path and do these different things and wound up in mental health and, and acting and, you know, that area and ended up winning a green card lottery and going to the US and again, at not making in that time in my mind, I had a career in Australia and it didn't make sense logically. Everyone told me not to do it, but there's something inside saying to do it. And I'm such a big believer in exactly what you spoke about there, where if we can really just listen, you know, pause and listen to our gut, it, it normally has the answers of what, what we should do, you know, what, what we need to do. But the, there's still that bridge, like you said, you know, when you, when you listen to that, it's scary. And that's why we ignore it because it doesn't mean that if you just find, okay, I, and you know, once I found what I wanted to do, the path has been 10 times harder. I could have easily just <clears throat> stayed in Australia and had a, you know, stable career and gone down a, you know, path that was laid out for me. There's so much uncertainty, but that's where you grow. That's the meaning. And I think the, the, the meaning in all of this is not in the end result. It's in the growth through the journey that we're going on, uh, which is just so difficult to do in this modern world because the distractions are everywhere. We're told that we need to be this and we need to be that. We're living through screens. We're comparing to other people through social media. You know, it's just a, a never-ending sort of battle but that's where the you know that's where we need to be operating and so yeah thank you for sharing the story i thought it was yeah i just think our listeners will you know love this story as well cool so what are you are you in terms of the people you're working with and where you're like what you're seeing at the moment is i guess yeah you're saying you've been in this area for for 20 years you know is it becoming a people having are there have you seen negative implications of where the world's at now with all of the the mass media social media the sort of advancements in technology from when you first began to where you are now have you seen a big change in what that's actually done to individuals and where we're at in society you know i think technology can technology is neutral and i think it's all about how we use technology in so many ways technology is bringing the world <clears throat> together uh, and if we are intentional about it, technology can bring us together as a humanity to create a deeper coherence, a deeper oneness. Um, the challenge is um, if we end up being addicted or used by technology, you know, and so technology is bringing so many different people together with different worldviews that on one level it can, if we're not aware and have wisdom, it, it's also creating a clash of different you know, perspectives and worldviews in a way that perhaps was always there, but because technology was at the level to bring everyone together and these different opposing worldviews together. So now I think in a certain ways, the dichotomy, the paradox, the division seems more. Uh, and so I think we have to just be kind of wise to navigate that. But I think with technology, uh, it's easier as human beings to also become more, shall we say, distracted and disconnected. Mm -hmm. And with technology so at the tip of our fingertips, where 20 years ago it wasn't, there were less distractions. You know, I remember maybe there was a BlackBerry. No, I don't even think there was a BlackBerry, you know. So, so, so there was flip phones and many people didn't have phones. Now everybody has a phone. Like if you don't have a phone now, you're a freak. And so back then it wasn't the case. And, and so I think with the constant technology, there were so many more distractions with technology, social media, entertainment channels that we are in a kind of like war, there's a war for our attention. And so I think 
it's 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 more easier to get sucked into the matrix of entrancement and and being hypnotized by the shiny objects out here than before. And so I think we have to just be. And so in that, it's easy to get conditioned. It's easy to get programmed. It's easy to get hypnotized. It's easy to get seduced. It's easier to get sold. And it's easier to uh, end up discon- feeling disconnected from ourselves because if we're constantly on a phone, on iPad or something out here, we're not necessarily going inside. And with all the distractions, it's, 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 it's much more seductive to be out here. And so I think that's a thing we have to be aware of, that it's much easier to feel disconnected from ourselves because there were so many more points of distraction and disconnection than before. And so I think as human beings, we have to be very aware and conscious and intentional with our focus, intentional with our energy, intentional with our intention in terms Mm. of um, managing our focus with intention so that we can be in control of um, what we allow into our awareness. Uh, I think before it was much easier, you know, and I think, to be honest, I think media and, uh, you know, media powers that be, um, retailers, um, don't really have an interest in you and I being free. Don't really have an interest in you knowing who you really are as a divine being, as whole, perfect, and complete. Because the more you know who you are, the more you know that you are a manifestation of consciousness, the more you know that you are whole, perfect, and complete, the more you know your true essence, the more you know your true value, the more you know that you are enough just as you are, then the less you can be sold. And so we're constantly being bombarded by advertising and media Mm. and what have you uh, to kind of forget who you are, distract you from who you are, disconnect from who you are, you know, because if you can forget who you are, you forget how powerful you truly are, then you can be controlled and manipulated. And then we're constantly being bombarded and conditioned to be hypnotized, to believe that, hey, 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 you know, look, look at advertising. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. But if you just freaking wear this underwear and these underpants and these socks and these shoes and this car and this watch and this you know, sweatshirt and this whatever, then you're going to be enough and it's going to cost you $200. And so we're constantly being sold. And, and so I think we have to really be, be conscious of the matrix. You know, there, there's a matrix of conditioning, not in some conspiracy way. It's just, it's economics, it's finance, it's money, it's business. You know, there's a matrix of conditioning. And the moment we're born, we start getting programmed. We start getting programmed by our parents. And they're just doing the best that they can do, you know, based on their conditioning because they want the best for us. But they're also conditioned by the matrix and their grandparents and generations. And and so we start getting conditioned by our parents. We start getting told who we should be. We start getting conditioned by education system, which is also limited in certain ways. This is how you should be and this is what success is and this is how you need to be and progress in order to get become a doctor and become a lawyer and become what have you, which is great if that's what you want. But if it's not, you know, there, there's such a, a conventional systematic programming of us as children that in many ways we get programmed out of our innate brilliance. And so mm-hmm. parents, education, religion also starts to program us like we're taught many, I mean, not to offend anyone, we're taught, hey, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, this is the way God is, and we, we, we're conditioned from the moment we're born, you know? 
t- television, advertising, school, French. I mean, the list, music, hip hop, rap, rock, rock and roll. I mean, it just goes on. And so um, I think as human beings, we have to be really conscious that we're conditioned. Because look, as children, we're born free. You look at a child, child is free. There's not so much, it doesn't know about certain things. We're bo- a child will jump on the table naked and sing and dance. It doesn't care if it's not Bruno Mars or you know Celine Dion. A child will jump, run naked to the house. Doesn't care, what do I look like on Instagram? I have some cellulite. It's just being, it's beingness. It's being its authentic self. And so what the hell happens? We're born, we're born into a preset pattern of conditioning. Our parents, their condition, generational patterns, generational karma. And so now we meet our parents. Maybe dad is an alcoholic. Maybe mom is crazy. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe they're good people, but they are, they don't know how to meet our emotional needs. So two things happen. And often we're not aware of the way and the process in which we're conditioned. We just think that who we are is who we are. And the thing is, it's not. First thing mm-hmm. that happens is we learn in response to our environment, trauma, pain, hurt, dysfunction, to shut down, disconnect, and not feel. We learn unconsciously as children to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the feelings, the pain, the hurt as a survival mechanism. So all of a sudden we feel pain, suppress it. Layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unfelt, unprocessed emotion and feelings begun to build up and before you know it our true light our true authentic nature our true expression our true magnificence kind of gets hidden underneath the mountains and layers and layers of conditioning that we've learned to suppress in order to not feel the pain and before you know it we contort ourselves into a kind of shape in order to not feel that pain again so the survival mechanisms gets set in place as a form of control to function and survive and then we learn a way of being, often unconsciously again, sometimes out of good intention from our parents and our caregivers, we learn a way of being. Who do I need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval? For me, I learned, you know, again, unconsciously, mm. I learned I needed to be a good boy, I, the perfect son, to get, to get all A's, right? To be the best, to be responsible, to be you know, caretaking everyone. So I learned... We start learning all sorts of roles and masks and personas in order to get love, validation, and approval. And then we contort ourselves into this shape. We become this person, Coot or Nick. And, 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 and we just become this version of ourselves, which is a pattern program uh, version of our own conditioned selves that we hold so tightly onto. And we say, no, this is just who I am. I'm just this way. Not conscious that we've been conditioned. And so I think uh, the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And most Mm -hmm. of us aren't aware that we're conditioned. We just think this is who we really are. And then from that conditioning, we end up seeing the world a certain way, perceiving the world a certain way, setting goals from that pattern of conditioning. And then we wonder, why do I not feel fulfilled or happy or you know, authentic, or why do I not feel as though I can manifest the fullness of my potential when our true essence of potential is kind of hidden or trapped inside of a prison of our conditioning and we're not even conscious. And so I think one of the first things we can do as human beings is to wake up to the fact that we're conditioned and begin to question our conditioning, begin to question ourselves, begin to question, like, who am I? 
and why am I and what am I and what do I really believe and is this what I really believe and what is my truth? And I think one of the things, one of the places where people can start and one of the things that keeps people stuck are all the lies that we tell ourselves. As human beings, in so many ways, we are constantly, some of which is intentional, some of which is often, honestly, innocent and unconscious. In so many ways, we are lying to ourselves. We stay in relationships that we know aren't right. We stay in jobs that we know, or careers that we know is not an authentic expression of our truth for survival, for safety, out of guilt, out of, you know, a sense of responsibility. And so I think we can, in, in terms of a place to start, maybe people can just ask themselves the question, number one, what lies am I telling myself? What lies am I telling myself? To me, there is no transformation without truth. And we have to want the truth more than we want what we have. And we have to want the truth more than we want what we think we want. But sometimes it, it can feel scary to tell ourselves the truth. It can be terrifying to tell ourselves the truth because who will I be if I actually start telling myself the truth? And will I exist? And so we're so conditioned as this ego that the ego's job, our perceived sense of self, is to reinforce its existence and to make sure we don't get hurt again. And so to tell the truth and to question ourselves for the ego is terrifying because it can feel like a death of who we think we are. But we have to start there. So what lies am I telling myself? And just beginning there. And I always tell people, take the pressure off of yourself from having to even take any action because sometimes the fear of the consequence of what will happen when you take action creates a internal unconscious resistance where we end up kind of playing confused as a, as a protective mechanism of, I don't really know what my purpose is. I, I don't really know if this relationship is. I don't really know what my next step is. When deep down, we freaking know what our purpose is. But we're afraid if we really acknowledge the truth, we might have to do something about it, that it becomes safer to be confused in the smokescreen of confusion and unclarity because then we can hide behind it. And so what, am I, what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And, and just sit with the lie. Like it, it might just sound like, you know what? I hate my job. You don't have to leave. You don't have to do anything. Just sit with that. I, I'm, not, I'm not in love with my wife or my husband. You don't have to break up, but just, just sit with the truth. Acknowledge the truth. Let the truth start marinating. It will begin a process inside, and it will start working you inside. Just to be, just to be able to come into awareness and acknowledge the truth begins a process of transformation. And so the last thing as a place to start might be you know, just acknowledging the pain. When we lie to ourselves, it is painful. It's meant to be painful. The pain is a signal or a feedback mechanism that we are not in alignment. But in our culture, we're not taught how to deal with pain. We're taught that, oh, you feel pain? Ah, just smoke it. So what do we do? We smoke it away, sex it away, drink it away, drug it away, you know, pharmaceutical it away, porn it away, shop it away, social media, whatever it is, just to not feel the pain, right? And, and yet the pain is a messenger letting us know that some part of us is not in alignment. So I say pain is your friend. Pain is a messenger. It's important to sit, sit with the pain, not wallow in it, but sit with the pain 
and use the pain to get into deeper alignment and ask, well, what is the message of this pain? What is this pain trying to show me? And I think then pain becomes a gift so that we can come into a deeper level of truth. But I think everything starts with telling ourselves the truth about who we are and what we feel. Just begin there. So much in what you just said there. I you know, love everything you said about it. And, and it is, and you know, that pain, whether that pain's manifesting as anxiety or depression yeah. or whatever it is, anxiety, why are we anxious? Well, our, it's trying to tell us something. It's trying to tell us, okay, like this is a positive thing because it's giving us a signal that there's something that we need to change, we need to look into. How do we do that? And it, But it, the core thing, I, I think it's, it is, it's this cyclical thing. How, how is this stuff going to change on a societal level? Well, the schooling system, you know, we should be taught about this. Uh, we need to break the pattern. We need to take charge ourselves so we can teach our kids to be more emotionally open. Otherwise, the patterns, you know, keep keep going and going. And, you know, the, th- the first thing I learned when I went to acting school, the teacher walked in and he said, look, first thing we're doing, you guys are going to unlearn everything you've learned for the last 20 years. I don't want you mm. performing or doing anything. We just got to unlearn everything. Otherwise, you can't be free to perform and express yeah. yourself. And, yeah. you know, at the time, I didn't really understand exactly what he meant. But then, you know, <laughs> you look back and it's like, well, like anything we want to do in life, how can we be free and make our own decisions? And there's so many layers to it. You know, there's that first layer you're talking about. Then, and there's another, you know, what I'm interested to ask you about, because I've had this experience myself, and I know so many mm. people do, of when you go through that first layer, okay, you're admitting this is what I want. Okay, then, you know, saying what you want, people are going to judge you for that. Okay, I've said what I want to do. Okay, now I'm moving to America. You know, yourself at 18, I'm moving to America. My pa- my dad's not talking to me for two years. I know for myself, I've got a good, you know, relationship with my parents now, but I know even to this day, there's dis- a disconnection on certain things and that we can't, you know, and, and I'll feel in my, you know, I'm 35 now and I'll feel like, oh, I feel ashamed that I'm living not, you know, in Melbourne where all my whole family is. I feel ashamed that I don't have kids yet. I want to give my parents grandkids and blah, blah, blah. And I catch myself, no, you know, Nick, this is, but I still get those feelings, They've, you know, and so it's like how do you, you know, it, there's so many layers to this. And I guess in your own story, how, how did you handle that process initially of 18 years old, you know, trying to discover yourself dealing with that feeling that I presume would have brought a feeling of shame and discomfort and a whole range of emotions at that age to go and, do something that you needed to do and how did you work through that yeah yeah i think for me you know i think it was a combination of being 18 and maybe innocent where i didn't know better on one level (laughs) honestly Uh, but but there was an undeniable sense of grief when i was 18 and i realized that i didn't really have a choice other than to follow my soul i had to allow myself to grieve and when i had to allow myself to grieve for me, and maybe you know, someone will be different because they have a different relationship with their family. But for me, I realized that I had to be willing to let go of my father. And I had to be willing to let go of the relationship and the relationship that I wanted, that I may never have a relationship with him. And, and, and so I had to like, face my greatest fear. And my greatest fear was not having a relationship with my father. We weren't that close anyway but I still looked up to him. And Mm. so my fear was I would never have that relationship with him. And I had to just make peace with that deep fear. And Mm. when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I really just faced it and made peace with my greatest fear was he'll never speak to me. We're not going to have a relationship. Like it's over for the rest of my life. When I say make peace with it, I mean tears and grieving and loss and a sense of death and tremendous tears and grieving. And Mm. that was what freed me up. I'm Mm. not saying it was easy, but it was a sense of, you know, like, like a breakup, like when you break up Mm. with someone and it's something is over, it's hard, it's difficult, but in allowing that grieving process of letting him go, letting him go freed me up to follow my truth. Because Mm -hmm. what I realized was if I live the life he wants me to live, like you can't be truly happy being someone that you're not. You can't be truly happy living someone else's life. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. If I live the life that he wants me to live and I'm living a lie, I'm going to have, what I sat with is I'm going to have to live this lie for the Mm. rest of my life Mm. to get the love that I think I want from him. And I'm going to have to betray myself. And what we have to realize is when we betray ourselves to get love from someone, even when we get love from somebody, it's never truly fulfilling, even though we thought we wanted it. Because Mm. deep down, we know that the person we're being is not who we really are, so that the love that we're getting is fake. The love that we're getting isn't real because they're loving an illusory fake version of ourselves. So even when they love us, it's not fulfilling. And so when I really just sat with it and grieved and let it go, I realized, shit, I'm going to have to live a lie for the rest of my freaking life. And that felt so painful. And it was really just letting myself feel the pain of that. And, and I just grieved it. And I honestly came to the point of making peace with never having a relationship with my father again. And it was hard, but for me, it was necessary. And when I felt that and I grieved that and we didn't really speak for two years and then I left for the US, we we weren't barely speaking, not speaking, Um, it was difficult. But underneath the pain, there was a deeper level of peace for me. And there was a deeper level of peace of knowing that I was being true. And... At the end of the day, I could look myself in the eyes and look myself in the mirrors and have some respect, you know? And so I'm not saying it was easy and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I want to go through that again, but there was a deeper level of internal integrity, alignment, and peace that I felt even through the heartbreak and the difficulty that, uh, I felt an underlying level of peace, even amidst the sadness and there was sadness, you know? And, and you know, something shifted. Um, it was a few years into me being here that uh, I had to acknowledge that I had a tremendous amount of anger towards my father. And, and it was brought to my attention by my first girlfriend at the time. And she, I remember she said to me, Coop, 
thank you after anger towards your father. My response to her was, thank you very much. This relationship is over. And so <laughs> I, ended, I ended that relationship because my ego, you know, the ego's job is to keep you protected. The ego doesn't want to change. The ego's job is to reinforce its existence and make sure you don't get hurt again. And the ego doesn't want to change, but it wants everything and everyone else around to change, right? Mm-hmm. And so when she brought this to my awareness, I was going to have to question myself. I said, relationship's done, goodbye. Then I fell in love again, not, not a few months later, where the woman I thought was the one, and because I thought she was the one, I was willing to do anything. And she said to me again, I think you have some anger towards your father. And this time, I thought, shit, I, be- I better deal with it if I want this relationship to work. And so I'll never forget, I began to go to therapy and do some deep inner work. And one time I did this men's retreat. I was pretty young. And in this men's retreat, surrounded by men, I was able to get in touch with a lot of rage and anger and hurt that I had towards my father. And I, you know, cut a long story short, I came to a point of really forgiving my father and deep down forgiving him, acknowledging the depth of love I had for him and accepting him for who he was. And it didn't matter who he was or who he wasn't, that I loved him. And I really got to this place of pure forgiveness and also realizing that the truth is he doesn't owe me anything. He's given me life. He doesn't know me anything. God doesn't know me anything. It's like, you know, I'm done. Like, like, like it was such a, a freedom of forgiveness, responsibility, letting go of any sense of blame, uh, entitlement. And I kid you not, within a week of really forgiving him in my heart. And what I want to say is, you know, the forgiveness isn't about the other person. The forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It's about your relationship with the other person within yourself. And so I had forgiven my father within myself. He had no idea. A week later, my father calls me up out of the blue and says, son, I think we should speak. And that was the beginning of, you know, mending the relationship. And what was beautiful was through that process, we got to have a real relationship. Mm-hmm. a real relationship not based on being fake and betraying myself but now the relationship was real not easy not you know challenging but it was real and i think so many of us we betray ourselves and we wonder why we're unhappy we betray ourselves wonder why we're unfulfilled and so i think nothing nothing and no one is worth your freedom. And so it was hard, but I think it was worth it because now we have a tremendously authentic and real relationship. But I also, I accept him for who he is. And I also don't expect from him what he's unable to give me. And it's just freed us, freed us up to just be with each other um, and accept each other, at least for my part, you know, accept him as he is, you know? Yeah. But I think it's, it's, you know, it's not our, it's not your job to fulfill someone's vision for you. It's not your job Mm. to fulfill someone's life. We're not put on this planet to, this is going to sound harsh. We're not put on this planet to make someone's happy. We're put Mm -hmm. on this planet to grow, to evolve, to realize who we truly are to learn the lessons for why our soul has incarnated. And so long as we're doing that, that's the freedom. That's the freedom. And 
I believe at the end of the day, the truth serves everybody. You being who you are, you know, you being authentically yourself, you being who you are, forces other people to grow and evolve, forces other people to question themselves. And to me, that's what love is. Love, real love, is serving another person's soul. And I know that even though it wasn't easy, by me following my truth, it forced my father to question some things. And that was a greater service to his soul evolution than me being whatever he, he wanted me to be. And so I think real love is the commitment to serve someone's soul. And that's what it's really about. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Hi, well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's yeah, incredibly powerful. And, and you know, like you're saying, it's uh, the true love is, is unconditional, that no matter what that person wants to do or pursue or path they want to go down, they're not, they're, the love is not based on them behaving in a way according to how the other person sees that they should behave it should be based on what we can understand is best for that person even if that means we don't get what we wanted out of it that's what unconditional should be about and it's um yeah it's i guess it that comes into relationships and codependent relationships and so many different areas of life like how, how many from the work you're doing um how many people do you think are grappling with, you know, what we just talked about in terms of trying to appease their parents, trying to, you know, hold back from living the life they want because of feeling stuck in this, I need, I, I you know, I want, I want to keep all these other people happy. I can't do it because there's too many expectations. Yeah, I, th I think so many of us in so many ways, even if we're conscious or not, right? Sometimes we don't think we're trying to appease our parents, but we're trying to trying to get what they didn't give us in our relationship with our partner. And we still don't, mm. we still basically trying to appease them. Right. And, and so we're still in relationship with them, with our boss, we're still in relationship with them, with the world. And, and, and so I think part of it is really just being conscious and really looking at, okay, what am I attracting in my life? And looking at the people that are sh looking at the people and the patterns that show up in your life and seeing especially the one, the relationships that challenge you or trigger you the most and really taking responsibility and seeing how are they familiar and what do they reflect to you about yourself 
And is there any similarity to that relationship? Because, you know, when we're in relationship with our parents, every single thing that ever happens to us is stored in our nervous system. Everything, whether we're conscious or not. Smell, sight, everything they're saying, right? You know, the smell on their breath, their relationships, everything is gets stored in our nervous system. And so when we're in relation, the nervous system is the antenna to the world. Information comes in and our nervous system is the mechanism, the apparatus through which we perceive experiences and filter experiences. And that filter and interpretation based on the state of our nervous system, that's what determines our reality, not what happens. What, what determines our reality is the interpretive mechanism based on the state of our nervous system. And so many times, reality isn't always what we actually think it is or make it mean. It's just the interpretation that we make up about experiences. But experience is determined and filtered through our nervous system. And so when we're children, let's say if dad, well, I'll be a bit extreme, if dad beat us, if dad was mean, if dad was abusive, right? Then on some level, we love dad. And then all of a sudden, abuse energy gets patterned in our nervous system or, you know, mom is unavailable, doesn't meet our emotional needs, gets patterned in our nervous system. And so now love and unavailability, love and abuse gets patterned in our, in our nervous system. And so unconsciously, not because it's what we want or write in our goal journal, unconsciously, we don't realize why we are attracted to certain people. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, why we're attracted to people that are a little bit abusive. Because oh, we don't want that consciously, but our nervous system vibrationally, energetically, chemically is, is sort of magnetized to that person because they feel familiar. And then all mm. of a sudden, we keep attracting that. That's why sometimes you, you know, we get into a relationship and we, we meet someone and they're like, I feel like I know you. Mm. Wow. I feel such a connection. Wow. Maybe it's past life. Wow, you're my soulmate. I love you. Oh, my God. I met the... But we don't realize that our nervous system and their nervous system is, is kind of patterned similarly. And, yeah, we feel connected and we feel familiar, but we're in a relationship with our dad. We're in a relationship with our mom in the form of that person. And so I think part of it is, is, is just beginning to be conscious, you know, and aware and really looking at what attracts us and, 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 and questioning ourselves and, and being, being, being really, really, really conscious. It's a 10-year anniversary of Underbracks, and we've relaunched with the classic white pair. We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbracks.com. Yeah, which is such a confusing thing because we're sort of told through, you know, romanticized sort of, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood movies. Hollywood, told us. Disney, Hollywood. <laughs> It's taught us that, you know, that's what we're meant to look for. And you feel that electricity at the beginning and it's like, oh, my God, it's intoxicating and that lust it's, sort of it's, feeling. It's, it's, it's chemistry. It's intoxicating. That's what love is. But I say it, it's not chemistry. It's shitistry. Many times your <laughs> shit matches the other person's shit. And actually, all of a sudden, you're attracted to that person because it is the resonance of your father, the resonance of your mother. And so I think, to be honest, I think when you feel – this is kind of a side note from where we started, but when you feel it, that boom, you know, that kaboom, like, oh, it, it, I've learned that you should be very wary of that. And I've learned you should probably mm-hmm. slow down, step back, take a deep breath. Because when that happens, 
what tends to happen is we go unconscious, we check out, we start projecting, going into the past, going into transference. We're no longer in relationship with that person. We're now in relationship with that energy that takes us way back to when we were five years old. I'm being a little simplistic here, but often that's what happens. And, and we're not even, you know, we're not even present, right? And that's why it's, I think it's, it's even said that when someone falls in love initially, the brain chemistry uh, is similar to someone who's on cocaine, right? Cocaine brain, I call it, right? And so, and so I think when, when you feel that, like, mm, I think that's a good moment to step back and just breathe and, and just relax yeah. and just tune in and just slow down for a moment because all of a sudden our discernment starts going out of the window uh, and that's when we often get into trouble and get into relationships and situations that are not healthy or toxic or certain dynamics that aren't that aren't wise you know and so i think we've been conditioned that way by as you said hollywood and so and many times the healthy connections where you don't feel the initial like kaboom we're like, nah, this, this, this can't be rather than allowing it to, to grow. And so for me, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is a choice. Love is what we are, essentially. Mm. But essentially, love is a choice. And I think many mm. real authentic relationships are missed because we think we don't feel the kaboom up front. But the truth is often real love blossoms and is revealed through a deeper commitment and is revealed and sometimes evolves and, and gets revealed in the process of relating versus an explosion up front. And, and that can take time. You know, that might take, take time. That could take over a year. You know, it might be a very slow process and that's yeah. part of the building. And, you know, that's the tricky thing. And I remember the first time I fell in love and the, or felt like I did anyway, you know, with <laughs> what we're talking about. And I, pushed away so many where this was healthy because I didn't get that feeling. But when it was that, it literally, I got scared. I'm like, this is so powerful. It's like you're on this intense it's a drug. drug. It's a drug, yeah. And you, I, was, I remember observing, I'm like, this is this is almost too much. And then, you know, you feel like, it, okay, this is forever. And then when it ends, you're so shocked. And, you know, but then you reflect and you're like, hang on, we didn't have anything in common. We didn't have the same yeah. values. <laughs> didn't even had literally opposing <laughs> values. Um and and then exactly what you're saying, you know. Then you meet someone who's healthy, and it's like, okay, this my gut's yeah, telling me it's not it's not my type, right? But and, and your gut's telling you, your gut's like, hey, this I know this deep down, this is right. But there's yeah. that drug like you know part of me yeah. that's like, well, why you know it's meant to feel more exciting. It, 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 and, it's, yeah, know, it's 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 their their nervous system wounding patternings doesn't necessarily match yours. And yeah, so that's why it doesn't. It feels un- a bit odd, right? And, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, and th- and that's the process of so interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. I mean, relationships are yeah. It's a whole nother, I guess, you it's know, podcast, podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. Well, um, yeah. Thank you. I've I've loved where this conversation has gone, and I could probably talk to you for hours and hours more. I'm, you know, so fascinating just listening to you. I'm I'm learning and taking so much out of this myself from from doing this. So I'm so grateful for you to. To make the time, um, we we have five closing questions we go into, sure, but sure. Bef- before we do that, I just want to ask you, um, first of all, for anyone listening, um, where can they, f- can you tell us a little bit about your books, about what um, oh. where they can find information about you, you know, where we can send them. We'll put it all in the show notes and direct them to it, but yeah. The, 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 the book, the new book that's out is called The Magic of Surrender. 
People can go to Amazon, get the hardcover. So the paperback, The Magic of Surrender book, um, it's all about how to surrender and finding the courage to let go. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a book I love tremendously that I've been blessed to write and be a part of. So check out the book on Amazon. Uh, my main website, Coot Blackson, K-U-T-E, CootBlackson.com. Um, you can find out all things that I'm up to there. Uh, what else? Um, Instagram, Coot Blackson, Facebook, Coot Love Now. Uh, for those that feel a calling to go to another level, maybe do some deeper work twice a year, I do an event, a deep dive 12-day immersion event in Bali, Indonesia, July and December. The next one is December the 5th through the 16th, uh, where we take 20 people to Bali on a deep dive transformation experience. That's www.boundlessblissbali.com. Fantastic. Well, all of those links we'll, we'll have in the show notes. So anyone listening for any level, if you want to go to, to Bali and do one of these retreats, buy the book, look up the website, we'll put all the links. So, you know, make sure to check it all out. Uh, so these, these final five questions, these can be just sort of whatever answer comes to mind. Um, cool. The first one is, what's your best childhood memory? Well, I don't know if I have one, man. Um, or one of the best, yeah. <laughs> one of the best. One of the best. Um, I think now it's just really quite simple, you know, just simple moments. Like I have so many beautiful moments of spending time with my mother and uh, just walking with her, doing like mundane stuff with my mother. And, and now since she's passed away, I really appreciate those moments, you know, for sure. Taking yeah. a walk, walking down the street, on a bus, you know, all these things that you think, ah, this is a waste of time that now I'm like, wow, I love that moment. You know, going to Japan with my mother, my mother's Japanese, and having many beautiful moments of just being in Japan with my mother as a kid. I love that. And I think it is, it's, you know, in, in life, like those simple things in the moment, we often don't, we, when, when you reflect, you realize these, this is what life's made up of, all these, you know, small things. We've got to try and be more present in them. So I love that answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think currently is the biggest burden on mental health in society? The biggest burden? Um, you know, I or think, again, one of the biggest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think with social media, there's so much bombardment of information out there that I think it can, and, and so many, you know, posting, everyone's posting on a private jet, and, it, and people start comparing themselves to everyone else. And uh, that person's life, I'm not living that. And, and that comparison of people's lives that is portrayed on social media, I think, can, and, and buying into that can be a real, a real burden, you know. And the truth is, you know, to, me, so, to me, social media is in real life uh, because many times you meet people on social, me on social media in real life and, and, and you end up thinking, that's you, you know. And, and, and so I always tell people, um, make sure that your real life is the real life because that's where life happens. And I think so, so often we get so caught up in that comparison of social media and, and, and comparing ourselves. So I think that that can create a bit of anxiety and a constant feeling of not being enough and not living enough and not doing enough and not fulfilling your potential enough. And uh, uh, 
focusing on how much more you have to go based on mm-hmm. what we see other people living versus, you know, if we really start focusing on, wow, how far we've actually, each of us, how far we've come to this moment uh, and appreciating and cultivating the, the gratitude for how far we've come. Absolutely. I think that's a, a great answer. Uh, what's your personal definition of happiness? Happiness is what we are. Happiness is our nature. Honestly, happiness is our nature. And uh, happiness is just being here right now. See, many times Mm -hmm. we think that achieving some goal out there is what makes us happy and is a source of our happiness. We get that Lamborghini or we get that thing, I'm happy for a moment, and then then what, right? And, and so because we achieve the thing, we experience a moment of happiness, so we, we, we mistakenly misplace our sense of happiness based on objects outside. But what we don't realize, if we can understand, that when we achieve the thing, what happens is the ego's activity of constantly seeking stops for a moment. So the source of happiness isn't the fact you achieved that. The source, the, the, the fact of happiness is that you just stopped chasing. And, and when you stopped chasing, you were still. And when you were still, the nature of your true self and the nature of your true happiness is what was revealed, not because you achieved the thing. It was the stopping, not the achieving. It was just the fact that you stopped. Uh, and, and so the happiness that is already existing was there. And so I think happiness is our nature. Happiness is what we are. Happiness is truly what we experience when we're really here right now. And, and that's why if you look at a child, they're freaking happy. They didn't achieve the, you know, Grammys, the Oscars, the, the Webbies, the Ferrari. They, they were they're just like happy. Why? I don't know. Running around the park, doing nothing. <laughs> So happiness is our nature, but we have this mistaken thing that objects are the source of our happiness, which is an illusion. I yeah, I've I've never heard it described that way in what you were saying when you achieve the thing, it's because your mind and it makes so much sense. I think that's such a powerful way of explaining it. And yeah, it's so it's fascinating, isn't it? It's like we've got permission to just be happy now if we can just yeah. realize and take that pressure off and have that experience. Or, you know, like yeah. Jim Carrey said a statement of he wishes everyone could become as rich and famous as he became so they could realize it's not the answer. It's like once we can really realize that, then we've got permission to be happy. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and to be, nothing wrong with being that. Nothing wrong with achieving that. I'm not anti-success and make a billion. Go for it. But it's not the source of your happiness, you know? Yeah, yeah. So two more here. Um, what are you most afraid of? What am I most afraid of? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, these days I I just tend to embrace life as it comes. Um, You know, I think most of the things I have been afraid of, honestly, I've been through. I Mm -hmm. mean, even I haven't died, but... Even around my fear of death, I have faced death several times, thought I was going to die and kind of like, oh, fuck it, man, I'm going to die. 
And so I'm not saying I want to die, but I don't fear death in the way I used to. And so in that sense, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there, there might be things I would prefer to not experience, you know, like being paraplegic by falling from a, uh, you know, 30 foot building. I mean, burning my body and, you know, being burnt for the stuff like that, that I, I would rather not experience. So, <laughs> I, but I don't hold those as a, I'm afraid of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll, no, I love that answer. And yeah, exactly what you've, you've worked through a lot of these things or experience a, a lot of different things where you've got to that point where you've come out the other end of, okay, you know, I've, 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 I'm not afraid because I've been through it. I've processed these emotions. Yeah, so I've been that's... through it and, and, oh, I survived. I'm still here. Okay. Mm. I'm, mm. I'm functioning. Like the thing I thought was going to be a complete disaster. Okay. It was a disaster and I'm still alive. Exactly. Uh, and, 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 and so, I think there's a freedom that comes through facing those challenges. Yeah. So final one here. What are you most proud of? Uh, you know, I think, uh, let's see. Uh, hmm, I think I feel proud of... There's a few things, but one thing that, that is sincere. I feel very proud over the last years of the pure, sincere way that I have shown up in service to people and clients um, with integrity. You know, and that hasn't been about social media and you know marketing and promotion. It's just been really doing the work whether anyone's watching or not. And so I think that's something I'm really genuinely proud of because it's not based on whether anyone sees it or not. It's based on me knowing like I really showed up with a pure heart to serve people. And that is something I feel very good about that nobody can take away from me. Yeah, well, I think it's a great way to end the, end the interview and such an important point because a lot of us, I get sucked into it myself of trying to do things to impress others or for this or that when but then when you bring it back the thing you can look yourself in the mirror for is when you're really in your heart proud of what you're actually doing and doing it for the right reason and we all know what that is so i think we all it's a good reminder and yeah thank you again i've I've loved everything you've talked about here and so happy i got to connect with you and uh yeah hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future sounds great sounds great thank you for appreciate it mate Thanks to Cute Blackson for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can order it at nickbrax.com book, and you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.